And this time it's like the kind of like middle managers which are going to be sabotaging because in a way, um, hierarchies get flattened when working from home because why do I need to go to middle manager on Zoom, Teams, Slack, whatever, when I can go to the person actually making the decisions? Yes. And literally, here's my work. There you go. Why would I need to have a middle manager tell me what the person above is telling them to tell me when they can tell me directly? Does doesn't even have to be be me personally. It can be a meeting, one boss and everybody else just working underneath them, and that's it. Or you know, a team and then just another team working underneath. You don't need so many different levels. In my opinion, it kind of flattens out the hierarchy because you just don't need this chain of command, which is really a byproduct of the industrial revolution. Really, when you just need one person to make a decision, tell two, two, blah blah blah. It's like, why? Hello. Hello. How you doing? <laughs> that was the least enthusiastic head bob I've ever seen for that tune. <laughs> Caught me by surprise, to be honest, that's why. <laughs> oh, did it really? Yeah, it did. <laughs> you, you're not normally a music person. Um, I guess I am. I don't know. I used to be more when I was younger. Just a question. You're recording, right? Yes. Okay, perfect. No, yeah, um, yeah, just wanted to make sure, okay? I know it's your podcast, but fun and finish. Yeah, it's a podcast, um, you know, I have to record it so I can release it at a later date. That's yeah. how podcasts work. <laughs> yeah, I used to do podcasts some time ago, a few years ago, actually. Yeah. Before it was cool. No, not really. Are they even cool yet? I don't think they are. I still think, I still think they're a very early bet for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And every time I, I kind of troll people on Twitter constantly, have you started a podcast yet? Have you started a podcast yet? Yeah. The amount of people that say there's already too many of them is bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's bullshit. There isn't. Ah, fuck it. Just just create a podcast and have whoever wants to listen, listen, and that's it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's just a I just always see it as a way of promoting yourself. One of the one mm-hmm. of the many strings. So I, I tweeted about it the other day. If the, if there's two people going for a job and mm-hmm. they, they're both exactly the same as each other, and the skills are the same, the experience is the same, age is the same, everything is identical, how does somebody pick between those two things? And the only mm-hmm. way anybody usually picks is by the one that seems more enthusiastic, which is usually shown through having a blog or a podcast or an email newsletter or you're, you're regularly tweeting, whatever. It's the only differentiator, really, that we've got left. I love that you've mentioned this because this is literally my train of thought when I started um, like creating my Twitter account, my 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 blog and everything. And when I started then uh, joining the Iron Media crew to do all the, the podcast like a few years ago, it was literally that line of thought. It was like I was at university and it was like, okay, it's my last year of university. Um, I don't have good grades. Uh, I don't want to study a master's degree. I'm in an area where there's not many job opportunities. Like how the fuck do I differentiate myself with the other, uh, any other recent graduate who has better grades, for example? And I was like, well, I've got to do something. And it was literally that. So, okay, I'll write in English, you know, because here, here um, in Spain, people don't really know much English. I'll just create content in English just to, one, practice and hone my skills, but another, just to have something, you know, like a kind of a portfolio of projects mm. to kind of, you know, stand out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, 
for a long time didn't even realize that because I, I kind of went the other route because my proof of work was through creating an agency basically and, mm-hmm. and my argument was that if the agency ever went under I my proof would have been that I'd run an agency for x amount of years and I could walk into any other job that that mm-hmm. was that was my train of thought on, on that kind of thing but it doesn't that doesn't really tell the full picture because even when you're running your own business or or whatever it is you still have to separate yourself from other people mm-hmm. and design is a very very saturated market um and again the, the same applies the only way to separate yourself is to be saying something uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't even have to be about design really my the thing i i barely ever talk about design it's you just got to be saying something haven't you you got to be interesting yeah yeah and just like not being afraid to put yourself out there not being afraid to i don't know just engage with people at the end of the day like um everyone who joins online you know how they always like one of the um, the value props or one of like the the ideas behind many of the communities is find like-minded people well it's, it's because of that because we kind of seek that connection to you know to similar people and everything and kind of like creating content in my opinion is one of the best ways to add signal and have people and have people you know react to it and say okay i kind of um what's the word i'm looking for um like i understand like it resonates with me you know Mm -hmm. that signal resonates with me and you know at the end of the day we're all all day more we're going to be longer you know like the the trend is to spend more time online and not less so you know obviously we want to be with those who Maybe a more similar, maybe a more interesting, maybe a more fun. And the only way to like to exactly, you know, to produce the most signal is to create content, in my opinion. Just I, put, yeah. putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, I met you through that way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we met through Twitter. Yeah. And I, I don't even really remember now how I stumbled upon the things that you were saying, but, but I did at some point. Mm-hmm. And, and then we started chatting and then we, we might have passed a few DMs and then I had a Zoom call and then you went on my ridiculous waiting list for the podcast. <laughs> uh, but if you wouldn't have been doing any of that, mm-hmm. that would have been one less interesting person I would have met, um, mm-hmm. which, which would be a shame. I, I agree with you, we, especially over this last year. Jesus Christ. All, yeah, ne- nearly yeah, two years. Yeah. Nearly two years now. The almost only way has been to meet people online. Um, mm-hmm. And I can I can only see that expanding. Even in the last two years, I've worked with people all around the globe for the first time ever, mm-hmm. purely because it's just you know it's just been the way it is. When you first got, we'll get onto the the end of the job a little bit later mm-hmm. on. But when you first got the 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 latest job, mm-hmm. how much how much of all the online stuff that you'd done, how much do you think that played into getting the job? Um. Quite importantly, it wasn't the most important aspects, like to be 100% honest, my current job, uh, for those of you who don't know, I, I work in big tech. It's kind of my theme at the moment, just because uh, I literally presented my resignation like two weeks ago. But um, <laughs> the number one reason is knowing English at the level I do in Spain is a clear dif- differentiator. So, you know, I'm just being 100% honest, but having a blog, having a, a Twitter, having a newsletter, uh, having appeared on podcasts and everything that helped tremendously. Like I've got it on my CV, I've got it on my LinkedIn. And mm. sometimes I actually get like start with that, you know, to be honest, just because yeah, it, well, going back to what we mentioned before, it's just a differentiator between, okay, we've got, I don't know, a dozen resumes in front of us. 
they're all similar. They all went to university. They all know how to do business. They all know this, this, and that. Okay, who do we, you know, who stands out? And say, oh, you know, one says he's proactive and the other one shows you his portfolio of projects. You know what I mean? So it, do, it does add. And like, maybe not for this one, it hasn't been that important, but for the, my next job that I start in two weeks, Ooh. it's with someone who I met via Twitter. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's someone who, had I not tweeted, I wouldn't ha- even have the option. And before that, I think I did, I did an inter- I, I did an internship actually when I was at university with another person from Twitter, thanks to Twitter. Mm. So it was just literally just tweeting, getting myself, putting myself out there. And do do you think tweeting as well as blogging and podcasting and all that kind of thing too improved your English as well? It's got to have done, right? Oh, definitely, definitely. And my writing too is like I've I've never written until three years ago when I started online. Like I've never had a diary. I've never had a journal. Like, yeah, wrote of school. That's it. So I've never written before. So even though I can speak English, like I lived in Spain, I wouldn't really write in English. So my English was, I mean, it still is atrocious to be honest, like in the written form, but I've improved so much. uh, I've improved so much more. And also writing really helps in thinking. Mm. I think you can agree with that. It it really just puts like, like uh, it puts, words into thoughts and kind of materializes those thoughts and those ideas, gives them a bound, gives them a life in a way. And it really does help in thinking. I think that's one of the most, that's definitely one of the biggest intangibles, but the most important intangible learning Mm -hmm. to speak, think and write better. And that definitely, that isn't exclusive to speaking in another language. I, Mm -hmm. my primary language is Barnsley. It's, it's not English. <laughs> so I, I ha- through podcasting and writing and all of that mm-hmm. other kind of stuff, that's massively improved my English as well. And it, mm-hmm. it, it isn't just about learning to speak English or learning to write Eng- English. It's about having a bit of flair with it as well, being able to influence yeah. people with it, mm-hmm. being able to persuade people with it. And for me, even if I I had no listeners to any of the podcasts that I've done, no no followers on Twitter or any of that, that is one hundred percent the reason why I'd still do it because it allows me to just walk into a client meeting or a presentation and impress people, basically. Oh, definitely, definitely. Like the thing is, before joining Twitter, I've. I really learned how to become like charismatic, like uh, charismatic social skills, like influence in per, like really communicate. I, I really learned how to communicate in person, but that's just one aspect. That's like in the offline world, world's becoming more digital. I thought, I, I thought to myself, I've got to learn how to persuade, how to influence, how to communicate in the digital world. And obviously you have like, you have YouTube, you know, video form, or you have the written form. And I chose the written form just because like, I don't have any editing skills. I, I'm just shit at YouTube, to be honest. So like, <laughs> I just went, clearly went through through the writing. And it's it's how you influence in the digital in the digital world. It's via knowing how to write. It really helps, like literally what you just said. It really helps in your, in your speaking, in your thinking, in your, in your everything. I, I think you'd be good in YouTube videos as well. Or little Twitter oh, videos or stuff like that. Things that you don't need to edit. The thing, A thing where mm-hmm. you give yourself a topic like what I do and you mm-hmm. just talk about it and you just publish it I, I i think you'd be good at that well thanks for the compliment i'll leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> well have you have you seen the videos that leon castillo castillo has been doing on yeah. youtube 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Have, that's yeah, yeah. how you say his surname, isn't it? It's Castillo, isn't it? Uh, Castillo. Oh, in Spanish, right, but yeah, right. Castillo. It literally means <laughs> castle, to be honest. Leon Castle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lion, ca- Lion Castle. You know. Lion Castle. Yeah. Uh, his his videos are great. Um, I, the thing that I like about the video format, I love writing, but video is like, and if you can get good at it, mm-hmm. vid- video is just like writing on steroids. You can yeah. you can record a one minute video and I, I still do it on Twitter now, either as a DM or sometimes replying to people on Twitter. People are amazed that you have taken the time to record a video. It literally mm-hmm. takes less time than writing half of the time for oh, me. Definitely, yeah. But people are amazed that, oh my God, they've actually took the time to actually talk mm-hmm. to me. And it's the face and the voice and actually saying the things to them. It it's really effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I, I used to do periscopes sometimes when periscope was a thing. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I used to do a few periscopes here and there. Like uh, I'd like to go on my, my motorbike and just like go around like the Spanish beaches and everything and just do a periscope from there. But I can't, I, I don't know. I kind of lost my mojo there to be honest, but it's just more like I self, I, I guess I self-selected for writing, but yeah, like mm. I think video might be a thing that I do in the future after a hiatus of a few years, but I might give it a try. What, do, what, what do you think to Twitter now? I'm going to get to the job thing after this, mm-hmm. but I, I just thought, okay. what do you think to Twitter now? I've kind of got a bit bored of it, to be perfectly honest. Um, I've actually kind of fallen in love with it again, just because okay. like, okay, if you know me from Twitter, like I'm, I can be quite cynical sometimes about Twitter. Like I joined, okay, so I joined in 2018, like uh, summer of 2018. Took me around six months to really like connect with the, the grand space that we are all connected through now. Took me a few months to find. So say for two years, two years and a half really, I've been in the space. So I joined with the idea of like making money, um, improving my job prospects, uh, great, you know, growing my writing skills, trying to grow an account and everything. So once I got the job, once I um, achieved the number of followers that I thought was cool when I started, once I found the people, once I did everything like that, I kind of, that's it, you know? So, and also, I don't know, you, at one point I got obsessed when I was growing my account. Another point I got like a bit burnt over. Another time, you know, you get into fights with people when they were like tribes and everything. So it's been a bit of a highs and lows and everything. Mm. And during my my latest job, which has been a year and a half, I've kind of been ignoring Twitter just because I haven't had the mental bandwidth, to be honest. I thought I was going to be able to have like the nine to five and then you kind of like the kind of side hustles and everything. But because everything's literally all day on the computer, I just don't have the, the, yeah. the mental energy for it to consistently do it, you know? So I kind of, I, I, I got, kind of got sick of Twitter, to be honest. Mm. But after my job situation and how Twitter's responded and how things, you know, new people keep coming in. And that's always the positive thing, in my opinion. New energy comes in. Um, it can revitalize you. Um, like, I don't know, you can focus on the people copy-pasting the same ideas for five years, or you can focus on the new people coming, trying different things. And I like it. I think this kind of, um, everything that's happening with crypto and NFTs and all of that is happening on Twitter, actually. So mm-hmm. it kind of feels that, uh, that Twitter in general, not just the crypto aspect, but in Twitter in general, it's kind of, in my opinion, it kind of seems revitalized in a sense. So I'm actually 
Had you asked me a few months ago, I would have had a more negative outlook. But at the moment, I think it's, I think it's going well because in this kind of, and this, I'm just going on and on and on. But like these kind of worlds now that we're, we're all working from home, many people are kind of having like taking the red pill at the same time where they're realizing, you know, they've been stuck in their homes for like a year and a half. Some couldn't literally work or anything. And it takes, you know, they could finally have the time to think of, okay, am I really doing what I want in life? Am I really, you know, was the way I was going where I want to go? And the future is going to be like, you're an individual with your own name, with your own brand, doing business, doing projects, doing everything. And it's via Twitter. It's not via LinkedIn. It can be done via YouTube, I guess, but it's, it's going to be mainly Twitter's like the, the advertisement place for yourself, you know, for the yeah. brand you. So I'm actually more positive to answer your question. I, I, I agree with everything you said. I, I think it's, like I said, I, I've got, got a little bit sick of it, but I think that's mm-hmm. because there's two ta- two sides to Twitter. And when you, mm-hmm. when you regularly create things on Twitter, so when you're re- regularly having an opinion and you're trying hard to make things, it can be hard to also be a consumer of it kind of quite yes. op- quite quite openly and not be cynical about the things that people are doing because you know exactly what they're doing because you're doing it too. Yeah. S- so I often fight with that internally. I enjoy writing on Twitter. I enjoy sharing my opinions on Twitter and I enjoy chatting to people who chat back to me. Mm-hmm. But I find it hard at, at least at the minute to have to 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 go on there and just consume it. Um, yeah, that that's the bit that I, that I'm challenging, and I find that hard not to be cynical about the things that I'm seeing. So I, I it's may, maybe I'm not sick of Twitter as such. Maybe I need to prune the timeline and change things a, a little bit and get out, you know, get over it a little bit. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I can give you some advice here. So this advice actually came from uh, Thomas Bevan, Thomas J Bevan, and. He's the one who's got me cynical about it. (laughs) Yeah, but like he actually, this was a very good piece of advice. I I, I I mean, he usually gives a lot of very good advice, but this was like a bit of a light bulb moment. It was quite recently, actually. I think before he had his account banned, to be honest. So around this year, but before he got banned. And that's basically, you know, usually what happens to all of us is we start following people and many people we kind of follow back because, you know, maybe we don't like their content, but strategically it helps because, you know, I don't know, they interact with us a lot and we kind of like them. Others maybe, you know, you know that uh, with the follow back, you're going to get retweets, you know, that that kind of shenanigans, okay? Then we all reach that point where we're cynical and all of a sudden we drop our follow account in half. We start pruning people, stop following people, and it just makes us very cynical. We kind of cut off from a community and all of that. So when you want to kind of refresh what you're reading. Thomas recommended follow more people rather than pruning your following, follow more. And if you think you can't handle it, you create lists. And I've literally, like, I don't read my timeline anymore. I've got like a list full of, um, I've got two lists. One with is like 10 people, you know, my closest friends on Twitter, which, you know, I like to give them a retweet likes. I, I like to see what they're up to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like people like Niels, Jamie, all, all, all this lot, you know, yeah. and, um, then I've got another list with like, I think it's got like a hundred people whom maybe I follow like five of them 
but I've got a hundred there, which is like pure crypto. And I'm just using as a kind of a sing, sing, uh, signal through the noise kind of thing. So I'm not reading my timeline as much anymore and I'm enjoying it. And it's not to disrespect or not to say anything in particular against the people I follow. It's more that sometimes you just need, you know, I don't, sometimes you read fiction, sometimes you read science fiction, sometimes you read a nonfiction book, you know, and sometimes you just, sometimes you watch a, sh- a show that, I don't know, a series that is a crime thriller and another one you just, you just want to watch a comedy, you know. So no disrespect to people that you actually follow. It's just that, okay, at this time and moment, I don't know, maybe when you're locked inside your house, you don't want to hear about people who grow their account by polarizing political opinion because you're just sick of it. You know, maybe you want to watch, okay, I'm locked in my house, so I'm more interested in fitness now. So you appreciate more like the fitness people that you follow, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's my advice. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I understand. And I, I, tend, I tend to try to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going through a phase of where I, I kind of see Twitter as uh, just an advertising board, like what, like what you said, that I, mm-hmm. I use Twitter. If, if you want to know what I'm up to, I use Twitter in that way to promote the podcast or promote a new video or an, an, a new NFT or any of those things. I mm-hmm. use it as a promotion place rather than the the way when, when I was trying to grow it, obsessively so sometimes, I used to use it to try and make friends. And I, I thought that was the way that I, I should have been going around it. But the truth is you can't be friends with, with all those people. You, you are the kind of false relationships and you're spending a lot of time trying to create those relationships with a lot of people. And you, you, re, you reach a limit and that's really yeah. what that's really what I got to. You reach a limit of I don't know, maybe a couple of hundred people. Maybe that's even too many. And that's when I, I kind of got to that point. It's like I can't keep up with these people. Some of them I still like them as people, but I don't enjoy the tweets anymore. Uh, and it, it becomes kind of like an, a a bit of an overload that you just don't want to deal with. So my mm-hmm. my way around it was to continue making content, but really not consuming that much mm-hmm. on Twitter. Now I use Tweetbot. And I use lists as well, and mm-hmm. I have I have mainly one list which is is just called which is just a private list. It's called create uh, curated, which is mm-hmm. like you, maybe fifty or a hundred people, and they're pretty much the only people's tweets that I see. I never look at the timeline, especially not in the Twitter app because it's just broken. It's designed mm-hmm. to keep you addicted. Uh, I look at the timeline sometimes in Tweetbot because it's still chronological. And I know you can get the Twitter app to do that, but it, they're still doing it shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're still doing weird stuff. So that, that's kind of my diet for it at the minute. I Yeah. I, yeah, I, I've literally been where, where you've been. Like, um, I'll get over it. No, uh, no, no. It's like, it's a genuine concern. It's like, the thing is, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of a feeling that I think many people who create on Twitter, who have a goal on Twitter to, I don't know, sell more, to grow their audience, to network, to do all it's kind of a point, many, I think, because I, I speak to many people on Twitter who, who kind of reach this point too. And what really differentiates is, I think sooner or later everybody reaches it, to be honest. But really what differentiates is, okay, what do you do once you reach that like kind of inflection point? You know, you're like forced to choose. And I don't think there's a, you know, a right way to do it or anything. But the thing is, when you, like, I've been there, like, 
all of a sudden you're excited on Twitter, meeting a lot of people. You reach that kind of like that Dunbar's number of like 150 people on Twitter. And for me personally, when I reach that point, it's like, so I'm giving the time of day to all these people on Twitter and like basically using it as Facebook Messenger, my DMs. And then yeah. people in people in the offline world who I actually have drinks with, go out, <laughs> family, I've completely ignored. WhatsApp full of messages, not reading. And I'll read whatever some random person, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, what do, what do you want from life, really? So when it comes to Twitter, what do you want from Twitter? And it's a bit, okay, I've reached, I reached a point one day where I was like, I've got plenty of friends from Twitter. I kind of like them. I can't deal with any more. And any new friends that come with this, uh, come from this, like it's just, it's just going to happen. You know, you don't have to force anything. Some, you know, some friendships die out, some just grow and that's it. And I don't know if you have to reach that point by, I don't know, finding your tribe. I know it sounds a bit like cliche. Okay. But you kind of find that group of people who you like or just individuals, you know, don't have to group them all that you like. And you kind of contempt, you know, with a networking in a sense. And then when it comes to like the consuming Twitter, like, I'm not the best person to talk about that because I've grown my account when I was very active in like creating content and right. Like when I really want to grow my account, I grow it. But then I grow cynical after a few months and then stop publishing regularly, which is basically the, the way to grow it. And there's a distinction between exactly what you say, where one is creating the content, another one is consuming it. If you create the content, you, you schedule your threads, you rewrite the same ideas that you have because and schedule them out through different times of the day because that's the way to grow an account. You're not, you're not so cynical from reading content because it's like I'm playing that game. Mm. I don't mind. I'm not reading because I'm spending most of my time writing. But when you're reading Twitter, you end up hating the people who schedule tweets. You end up hating <laughs> like all the, the, like the fast food content that comes out because what's, you know, we, we both know that what's, makes grown account is consistency. Like just rather than a 10 out of 10, do a six out of 10, but every day. And it just really depends on what you want from Twitter. I'm a person who doesn't make money from Twitter. So maybe I'm not the best person to, to ask on advice on, you know, if you want to make money from, if you want to sell, for example, but. I think it also, it also depends on the kind of impression you want to give others too. I think that's what I yeah. found. What I found th that hit me quite deeply when I started to think about this quite a lot. I don't want to be the person who is giving the fortune cookie advice yeah. over and over and over. Yes, sometimes I do that, but I don't want to be, that doesn't really want to be the main thing that I do. Mm -hmm. And what I think is more valuable is to make more meaningful things which by necessity can't really be on Twitter. They have to be in a newsletter or on a blog mm -hmm. or a long form podcast or, or whatever, because Twitter is just too short for it. It's not designed for that. It is designed for fast food, like you said. So when I, re when I realized that I, I was like, oh, okay, th this is going to be kind of a springboard to other things. And that's the way that I'm always going to treat it. And then when I got to 5,000 followers, for me, that was enough. I thought, mm -hmm. right. 5,000 to most people will look impressive enough, uh, you know, to clients and things like that. It looks impressive enough. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm not really in the growing, the growing mm -hmm. Twitter account mode anymore. So yeah, I'm at that point trying to work out what I want to do next. I don't want to stop Twitter and I want to figure out a way to actually, I guess, enjoy it to some extent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's weird because I do, there's other bits of Twitter that I also do, which I enjoy. I have the the daily visual Twitter account where I retweet people's doodles and things like that. I really enjoy that. So mm-hmm. I also have the other account where I just post visuals. And again, I really enjoy that. So there is sides to Twitter I do enjoy. It's like I said, it's Tom, it's Thomas's fault. It's Thomas J. Bevan's fault. He's made me cynical about uh, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm trying to work, work away, work away back to make sense out of it. The tribe really uh, for me was, well, Thomas started a community. So mm-hmm. my my tribe isn't on Twitter. It's mostly on Discord. So mm-hmm. I don't have that reason to hang around Twitter that much. And when I do go to Twitter and I post things or I reply to people, I'm just there to troll now, really, yeah. rather than anything else. And that that's when it's quite fun. I, I, I think there's the same stages for everyone, isn't there? You go, you go super serious into Twitter. I want to make hundreds of dollars a day mm-hmm. uh, maybe i can get to the fabled 10k per month like every twitter money twitter account talks about and then i'm going to be super serious i'm going to write platitudes all the time i'm going to be consistent and then you get to somewhere at the top and that's the point that i got to and then you have to make a decision right am i going to be the account with eighty thousand followers that only posts platitudes or am I going to be a human and mm-hmm. stick where I am and just chill out a little bit? Just be a human again. Be a normal person. Tweet jokes, things like that. I'm glad I made the second choice and I didn't I didn't choose the, the other way. I think what makes it harder as well sometimes is the fact that it's me. So exactly, yeah. I... I, I, I purposefully didn't want to be anonymous i always wanted to be me so when with that reminder always slapping me on the side of the face i had to make that decision because people are going to be meeting me in real life or in zoom calls or on podcasts i have to make the decision to be me and be damned with the consequences because it's me you you can't you can't hide that if i would have had an anonymous account I did try one for a bit. I tried another anonymous account. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hack it. I couldn't hack the cognitive dissonance of... Yeah. I started playing a character, and it felt really weird. It even... I was. I just wanted to play a character, even though I wasn't trying to play a character. And that scared me a little bit. So mm-hmm. I, I, I stopped doing that experiment. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, tw- Twitter's weird. Yeah, no, I mean, I started my account as an anonym, uh, anonymous, and after two days, I was like, no, I'm putting my name and my face out there, because, or else I'm not going to take it seriously. Mm. It feels weird, exactly like you say, I was like, had some persona, you know, okay, in two yeah. days, you don't really create a persona, but you know what I mean. Like, this, You start to think about it, though, I'm don't just, you? You, you, yeah. I, I, I was, yeah, I had only written a few days of tweets. I didn't have the Twitter account very long. But you mm-hmm. start to think about things. You're saying, "Ooh, this could maybe be my brand. Maybe I could say this thing often." Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, and also, I think it, it, it. I think it also depends on personalities. Going back to what you were saying, where some people can treat their Twitter purely as a business. So when you treat your Twitter as purely as a business, you, you're not cynical. You yeah. create the content, pump out the numbers 
and and just you know you interact with your you know with your fans with your followers whatever you know it's all a funnel to your to your thing um to your i don't know to your offer or whatever and you know nothing no hate towards it it works for some people you know some people have it anon some people have their name you know some people are just a brand you know with their name and face they're just a brand but it just maybe some personalities are suited more for that whereas maybe personalities maybe like ours it's a bit like no it kind of i don't know we kind of feel attached because it, it is even though it is an online persona because it's our you know a photo of us and our names it's still us you know it's still so maybe we can't separate the the business us from the non-business us whereas mm-hmm. maybe others can you know what i mean so i'm i'm, I'm not sure if it's a, i don't know a good thing a bad thing if it's there's a right way to do it or not but i think it, it's a personality thing to be honest mm. i like all these things and this is why i do a long form podcast i don't think there mm-hmm. is a right or a wrong way to do it all options are valid if it works for you go do it it's just yeah exactly in, always interesting to talk about it and ed ed touched on it a little bit when we were speaking on on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and he has no problem with promoting things and you know you know seeing it that way mm-hmm. uh, he has he has backed off on that quite a lot i noticed when he i think maybe when he hit around 80 or 90,000 followers he started joking a lot more the crack jokes came in a lot more uh, he, he started making the coffee so black jokes a lot more he was less serious there wasn't as many aphorisms that he was posting all the time Mm -hmm. he did drop back a little bit and push the personality forward and just after speaking to ed on that podcast i bet that wasn't an intentional thing he i i think there's just an urge that comes forward at, at some point you're just like i want to stop playing the character and I want to be me, and I want to show people. And I've I've seen the same thing happen with Jack Butcher as well. And in fact, I think it might have even been around the same numbers. I'm pretty sure when he, it was about eighty, ninety thousand when he got to that, mm-hmm. he started being a bit more him. And 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 then the 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 reason why everybody followed him in the first place disappears, but the real person behind it comes out, and you're quite pleased about that. So yeah, exactly. Uh, and and I and I think it, it, we're talking about this future thing, and I agree with you on the idea that Twitter will kind of become almost like a personal brand passport or something like that. That's the place you'll go to. I think that second way is way more powerful, uh, and I think that's more important because it's going to be the place where people will go to to get a feel for somebody. Mm-hmm. It, it's like a digital handshake, really. It's like. Yeah going to the pub with someone for a, a drink or whatever it's the only place you'll be able to get it in the digital world so i, I yeah I, and it's also like following that line of thought like, i'm sorry i'm sorry for interrupting but no, it's just, this just really came to mind like we see now that the world i don't know whether um artificial or organic we're all kind of more divided ideologically divided even uh, and in and, and most countries, in all countries, you know, it's like people try to cancel each other for voting a different party. People try to, you know, whatever topic there is, everyone's kind of more radicalized. So it might seem too that you just might want to do business with people who are more similar to you and kind of one, because if we're going to spend more time online, you want to spend, you know, there also is a more openness now to just try to enjoy life a bit more, even when doing business. And two, maybe you just want to, literally create your safe space and like i don't want to interact with people who 
who think differently, not because they think differently, but because of this, how at the moment it's um, fighting is kind of rewarded and trying to cancel and trying to hurt people is kind of rewarded. You know, so if just people thought differently, you know, you just go on with your day, just argue it on Twitter and that's it. That's perfectly fine. That's life. But now you, it, it kind of is a bit of a, dis, a, a bit of a business danger in doing business with people who think opposite to you because kind of like, you know, telling on others, kind of, you know, kind of, I don't want to go that road, but kind of like telling on others, <laughs> kind of uh, trying to expose others, trying to cancel others is kind of rewarded. So it is becoming, might be, okay, this is just like a train of thought that I'm following right now, but it might be a, a decision in the future where you just want to do business with people who, you know, Think you kind of energy. have a sense that, you know, if maybe not alike you, but at least respectful enough that they'll keep, they'll separate their ideology from their work. And you can find it on Twitter, you know. It's, mm. it is, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thought and I'm kind of conflicted by it. The reason I'm, two things, the reason I'm conflicted by it, because I think one of the real benefits of Twitter Mm-hmm. is the fact that you can plug yourself into many different opinions and not find yourself in the echo chamber. Mm-hmm. I I think that is a, a positive of Twitter. It is equally easy to do the opposite. It's equally mm-hmm. easy to find the people, find your tribe, like you said, who say all the same things as you and only listen to those voices. Mm-hmm. But I don't think on kind of a human level, on a intellectual level that is a good mm-hmm. thing to do over a, over a long term um i don't think it's good to surround yourself with people who all think the same things as you um yeah i and then the yeah but like where, where i want to go with is like they might think different from you but you both think alike in that your differences shouldn't influence in your business. Yeah. So maybe it's maybe it's so maybe the per, the personalities are the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more like I believe in X, Y, and Z, and you believe in A, B, and C. But we kind of because of how you present your opinions on Twitter, you can get a sense of if someone is, um, you know, just going to get personally attacked and offended because it's their their ideologies that or yeah. or whatever is their identity or someone who can separate themselves from it's like okay I think this way but we respectfully disagree or we even engage in a bit of banter and you might want to be close to people who not exactly think the same as you or yes but even if not at least that they can keep you can keep your differences mm. to different you know in a bit and just more like not what's said, but in the way it's said and presented and then the interactions occur, I guess. Mm. No, yeah, I, I get that. I, I agree with that. The second point I was going to make is... Okay, so... It gets tricky with businesses. Mm-hmm. I, because I, I've got a very vivid example of this right now because there, there's, a, there's a coffee place where I live who has a Facebook account and I actually regularly go on it for amusement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... <laughs> On the account, so they're a coffee house. They'll have a post about coffee, a post about the new muffins that they've got in that look delicious, a post about the vegan sausage rolls I saw today. Then underneath it is a Facebook Live video of this person talking for 30 minutes about um, how COVID-19 doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. 
And then the next post underneath it is new muffins again. And oh, we're bringing a pizza menu in. And then the post after that is, oh, we're sending people to COVID camps now. Didn't you know that? What do you think about that? Then the next post is about coffee again. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Why why are these two things coming together on this professional well, it's not so professional, but on, on this business page on Facebook, and I look at it purely for amusement, and that that was the second point I, w- I was trying to make. It's it's not really uh, kind of the same point that you were trying to make. I understand what you were saying, but that that's where things can kind of get a, b- a bit weird. People people still share their personal opinions in business, and I think it's stupid. Yeah, but it's 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 also like what you're saying. It's also brands now want to have an ideology i mean obviously like you and i know in a cynical way is because it makes money you know whatever political thing is in vogue at the moment that will make you money they'll just follow it you know what i mean and um but it kind of you know like brands have twitter accounts and they ship posts now brands have twitter accounts and they had to every time something political happens they have to make a statement it's like why the fuck are you making a statement you're literally a company you know but it's kind of like we're in this era now. I don't think there's going back, to be honest, but we're in this era now where because as a corporation, as a company, you have now a social responsibility. You know, like you invest in local charities, you try to be more eco-friendly, you, I don't know, these kind of things. Now it's on the internet too. And now you have to have like a, basically an ideology kind of really. So we we cannot go there if you don't want to. It's, like, it's, it's a bit tricky situation, <laughs> but it is kind of a... No topics silly, are off silly reality. No yeah. topics are off limit on this podcast. You should you just listen <laughs> no, to no. the Ed Latimer one. He went into some some stuff. <laughs> no, but I mean it's it, it's a silly reality that we live in. In where it is, brands want to be people and people want to be brands, and uh, the brands all have ideology now, and the people kind of have to stop sharing this kind of things on Twitter or share them in a way that's not polarizing, I guess. Or okay, not polarizing, not purposely polarizing, and. Yeah, maybe that's the future. I but, don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but like you said, those are the cynical marketing people who are doing that. So, mm-hmm. f- perfect example: England lost in the final in the Euros. Though the, it was three black kids that missed the kicks. Oh yeah, there was an outpouring of racism in the UK because everybody's racist in the UK, and then there was a whole ton of brands that jumped on it that were making these. Our three lions posters with with the three guys on it. And, yeah, uh, yeah. It it was just virtue signaling. Um, that that is the kind of the cynical marketing way of doing it. Mm-hmm. This guy that I'm talking about doesn't have a fucking clue what he's doing. He's just <laughs> stupid. But I'd never thought about it the way that you said it. He isn't intentionally doing this, but it is bringing people to him who think oh, yeah. like that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Who, who, who want to go to you know who want to go to his uh, COVID deniers coffee house? Basically, maybe you should call it that. But I never thought about it the other way around. He isn't doing that cynically. I know he's not because, like I said, he's not mm-hmm. smart enough. But it is interesting that maybe maybe there's room in the market for a oh there a, is a, a kind of a a conspiracy theory coffee shop, and then there's a there's another. There's a there's a left wing coffee shop here on the other side, and then the, the mm-hmm. on, on further on the right there's a flat earth co- coffee shop, and maybe yeah. that's the world we're going in. 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's the polarizing is polarizing on Twitter to grow your brand. And every time you try to get cancelled, you just start quote tweeting and kind of signaling to the people who would like you. It's literally that, but on the in the offline world. And it's exactly that. It's kind of like when, for example, let's take a, a, an example from literally today. Airbnb, one of the, I think the CEO of Airbnb has written a tweet saying they're going to, um, they're going to have, I think it was like 20,000 Afghan refugees uh, stay in Airbnb uh, places for free. And so immediately polarizes people because on one hand, you get people who will say, well, how long are they staying? Is this just a publicity stunt? Um, okay, what's the actual logistics of this? Like, um, do the, I don't know, the homeowners who are in BNB, do they have a say? You know, kind of like the initial reaction is met with a push. But then I went, because that's maybe what, maybe that's the kind of general idea I get, I guess, from, that I'd get from, from my Twitter. You know, maybe that's what's been fed to me. But then you get, then I looked at the quote tweets and the quote tweets are literally pouring with people saying, oh my God, I was going to go to a hotel, but now I'm going to Airbnb. Oh my God, thank you, Airbnb. Oh my God, finally doing a thing. So it's like kind of like similar to how politicians, they will say the most wacky shit and it's like, you're a fucking idiot, but they'll say the most wacky shit because they don't have to try to convince you. They just try to have to speak to their voters. This is in a similar way where companies can be actually polarizing and political and ideological because they can say it's like, well, maybe the person who's against this aren't going to be our, uh, 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 against, I don't know, any position we make, maybe aren't going to be our clients and the person in favor of it are. So we don't care. We'll just make the political statement, ideological or whatever. It could be this case or any, the COVID coffee, for example. And the, uh, and it's like, well, if the person is going to, you know, if my message is aligned with my customers, all goes, can be as political as you want because it will work. It's a bit shit, though. I don't agree with it, but it, it mm. is kind of the reality we're living in. It, yeah. The thing that comes to mind is in in the book I was reading fairly recently, Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. Uh, yeah, I read it. Yeah, it's a brilliant book. Um, mm-hmm. he, he talks about um, when news started changing um, in, in America. Mm-hmm. He talks about when the American moved from kind of a typographic world where everybody read books to move into a, a world where the telegram was introduced and mm-hmm. everybody wanted news constantly. And it for the first time, people were creating national newspapers that covered the entire of the US. Previously, you only cared about the news where you lived because it was the only thing mm-hmm. that mattered to you. Mm-hmm. And then people started making national newspapers because the telegram came around. And for the first time ever, people were writing and people were reading about things more importantly that had no bearing on their world whatsoever and Mm -hmm. that became the news and unfortunately that's the world that we're in we're in a situation now where i just want to go buy a fucking coffee (laughs) i do not give a shit about Mm -hmm. your opinions on coronavirus or any other hot topic of the day i don't care if Airbnb um, help help Afghanis in any way. I know that sounds quite cynical, but I I I don't. <laughs> yeah, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, I don't care. I don't have enough bandwidth in my life, like you were saying, mental bandwidth. I don't have enough ben- mental bandwidth in my life to care about those things. If it wasn't just 
PR, they just do it and not say anything. Mm-hmm. So the very fact that they are doing something and putting out a press release, no matter whether whether it or not. yeah whether it's a positive thing or not shows that there is a cynical element to it and there'll have been a marketing meeting with several pr companies and branding agencies and marketing how are we going to promote this what newspapers is it going to go in what social media posts are we going to do that shows why it's really happening mm-hmm. if they didn't need to promote it they didn't need to talk about it but more to your point businesses and really private people don't need to get involved in any of these things. You should really only be involved in the things that affect you because it's, mm-hmm. it's, the, only, it's the only way to stay sane to a point. You don't need to know or worry about any of the other things. Uh, we, we just And I just can't see that changing. I think it's only going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse as, the, as information travels faster. I... I have a side theory that a lot of the things that happen now are catastrophized so bad because of the rate of information, because of how fast information moves. We get to this point where the the ultimate end game, it will become a catastrophe, whether it's really a catastrophe or not, because mm-hmm. of the amount of people sharing it and talking about it. And it, it just leads to this thing where people and companies are doing things that don't they shouldn't be doing. It is, isn't it that you are a company that sell coffee or you are a company that hire rooms well you don't even hire rooms you, you're a third you know you're a middleman in this situation uh you don't need to worry about any of these things so stop doing it and just focus on the mm-hmm. business business stuff where, where where's the end where's the end with that you know it's yeah and that's maybe going back to the point of Twitter. That's maybe why I think they might be a rena- like you might want to do business on Twitter because like you can filter out through the people who want to play these games, who the people who want to push and add noise to the already very noisy other idea sphere, and people who kind of eh, not interested. I'm um, building. I'm um, doing something else. Um, you know. Mm. So maybe. That's why I'm kind of like positive again on Twitter, acknowledging everything you just said, because like I, I wrote an article on exactly just that. So like, I don't, I don't want to mention it or anything like that, but like, it's literally basically that we're not just not really hardwired when our brain, you know, literally a hundred years ago, we didn't have this and our brains, you know, we evolve way slower biologically than the technology around us. And we're just mm-hmm. not ready. We're not, we don't have the, uh, to use the exact same word. We don't have the bandwidth to deal with all of it. So, Nobody, not even the smartest person alive can deal with the abundant flow of information they have now. You just have to limit yourself. You know, you just have to, um, maybe we never had this problem of having to filter through information because exactly what you just said, you would find out the information that was relevant to you around your area. There was maybe one or two events a day. You just went on with your life. So none of us really developed these, say, uh, dams to prevent all the to cut off the water flow, and yeah. then, you know, and may and for me, I think the conclusion I reach is the only way to play the game is to remove yourself. Try to at least, yes, be conscious that you can't really remove yourself, but you try to reduce yourself as much, remove yourself as much as you can, and then just not try to play the game, not to try try to like amplify ideas, not try to or noise more like, and just kind of like no, I'm here to 
share some laughs, do some business, build whatever, you know, mm-hmm. just not add to the whole kind of um, being a screen that's playing a script written by somebody else, mm. basically. Yeah, I, I 100, 1,000% agree, as I probably would say on Twitter. It is, <laughs> it is hard though, isn't it? Because you get you get sucked in. So mm-hmm. with, with some of my friends, I'll see them and say, oh, did you see this news story today? Did You know, did you see so-and-so has, has died? Or did, did you see so-and-so said this and this happened? I'm like, dude, I don't care. Uh, but then I'm the weird person for yeah. not for not caring you know and i love these people to death and it, it isn't as simple as the twitter advice often is as you know like just cut your friends off you don't want to hang around uh, with those no, kind no. of people no, no, no. it's but there there is definitely i've never really struggled with this too much because i'm a massive contrarian anyway um mm-hmm. and, and i enjoy having the opposing view and i enjoy being the devil's advocate but it is uncomfortable sometimes to be the person who isn't like everybody else uh, the 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 person or the people who are talking about all of the things that are going on in the world and you don't even know about any of it, mm-hmm. uh, it you feel like the ignorant one. But really, it, it none of it matters. Yeah, but to be honest, I felt like this at the beginning, like you, when I started ignoring the news. But you get people used to it, and. It kind of, you kind yeah. of influence, you, you know, you do the guru thing on Twitter, but with people offline and you kind of influence them for the positive. Like I stopped watching the news around in 2017 in Spain. Uh, at that moment at that year, we had the Catalonia things going on. There was like just the social media, everything was like, they want to become independent. Uh, you know, just very like very, um, kind of like what you Brits would have with Brexit, very polarized like yeah. situation. We kind of had that to a point in Spain, maybe not as polarized as in Brexit, but it was reaching those levels. Where I live in Spain is a thousand kilometers away from Catalonia. I've never been to Catalonia. I'm actually a Barcelona supporter, football, football wise. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why should I be every single moment of the day watching the news? I was watching the news every yeah. single moment of the day because I remember it was around. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, rem- I remember it was a weekend when shit was going down and I was just plugged to the news all day and I was getting angry. I was like, why do I care? This is such a non-issue. It's completely fabricated. This five years ago, 10 years ago was a completely different thing. This is just media, you know, media riling up shit. So that's when I realized, like, why am I angry at this? You know, so that's when I cut it off. And so 2017, so that's been four years since I've done that. I've gotten people used to like not just discuss- um, like in a way I do find out like the headlines. I do, you know, yeah. find out some things that end they bu- up, they know, bubble up. up, they bubble up, yeah, don't they? they end up bubbling up, but smaller details. I'm like, don't care. And I kind of got my, my, the people around me kind of got, got used to the idea to not like, I like small talk. It's just not on these, some specific topics that come out in the news. Mm. And it's been positive for them too, because like they've started to care less too. And like maybe we'll discuss, I don't know, a book we read or some gym, uh, you know, our, that we're doing, or even stories of ourselves, whatever. Just doing, talking about things that friends talk about. You know what yeah. I mean? And the best example, in my opinion, to this success is uh, everything related to COVID. Like, um, I haven't lost any friendships because of thinking in a different way than somebody else. I haven't lost and haven't argued with anyone and the reason is when someone asks what do you think about covid nothing 
Uh, what's your opinion on vaccinations? I'll keep it to myself. I don't want to talk about it. It's literally the topic over the last 18 months. I'm done. I'm bored. But since the first day, and people kind of relax because it's like, if you feed into that um, need to argue or need to speak about these things, sooner or later, you're going to end up arguing because yeah. it's just a very radicalized issue, I think. I think people, you know, obviously people are not having a good time, you know, over the last year and a half. I consider myself fortunate because I think I've fared off better than most people, like mentally, I mean, at least, uh, from this thing. My life hasn't changed too much, I guess. But I know others had their lives changed completely. So obviously it's a very stressful time. A lot of people having very like mental issues, uh, mental well-being, I mean, issues. Um, you know, whereas I've continued exercising and maybe if one habit I haven't been able to continue because of lockdowns, I've developed a new one, you know, others haven't, you know, and they're just having a bad time. So why sooner or later, if you go through that route, you're going to end up arguing and it's just going to end up being not nice and everything. So why feed into it? So like, I got friends and family who, you know, are anti-vaxxers, friends and uh, family who are pro-vaxxers, friends and family who are on the fence, friends and family who, I don't know, are scared of COVID, others who, you know, are not scared of it. And it's a bit like I just get along well with all of them because, like, we were friends and family before it, we'll be friends and family after it, you know. Why yeah. partake in all this nonsense, this very, I don't know, Americanized way of just hating everyone just because they don't think exactly like you, you know, so just don't partake in it and that's it. Yeah. And it's been working for me. So even as a contrarian, even following to your point of it feels weird to maybe not be in the know. It's like if you're consistent, they'll end up adapting to you to be honest. Yeah. It's, it's what, what I found. I've been the same. I haven't been a regular news reader for a long time. And you you can have more interesting conversations because you know you know less about the situation. I actually don't mind discussing a lot of the topics, mm. and it's it's fun to talk to them about it because you don't know anything about it, so mm-hmm. you can ask them to explain the situation, and you can come come at it as an ignorant person, and people are a lot more, uh, you know, people are a lot less guarded when you don't have an opinion on yeah. it because you literally 100%. don't. You don't you don't know what they're talking about and that's still a tactic that i'd often use anyway even if i didn't know what's going on because uh, yeah i i don't don't want to argue with anybody i i'll have a debate with somebody but i, I spoke about it a while ago particularly about twitter about the kind of things i'll avoid talking about on twitter and anything basically anything where there is no right or wrong answer i won't touch at all on on twitter religion politics and you know all the usual stuff but where somebody can say what person a can say this is 100 percent right and this is blah 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 list one list two list three and that person b can say this is 100 percent right it's the exact Mm -hmm. opposite but list one two and three i'm going nowhere near those topics i don't care about them personally and it's the unwinnable argument and it will be an argument as well and you will be in the wrong no matter what opinion you hold on it so mm-hmm. yeah I, I i never never touch any of those things and and yeah with a with the whole covid thing I, i'm the same i don't think of anybody less for what for what they believe in or or how they've arrived at those opinions mm-hmm. or, or or anything it's it's just an opinion really at the end of the yeah. day 
Um, that kind of brings us to the work from home thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, as soon as you said, uh, when you put on Twitter, I, I'm, 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 leaving, I'm leaving my job and that kind of thing. We started talking in DMs and I said, this was the thing we we're going to talk about. And we've gone for an hour mm-hmm. and we haven't spoken about it. <laughs> um, I, I'll let you tell the story. I won't spoil it. Okay. So, okay. So basically, um, I've been working in big tech in Spain uh, for 18 months now, completely remote. I mean, I only went one day to the office because I literally started work the day before coronavirus all hell broke loose in Spain, like the lockdowns and everything. So literally went to the office one day, got to meet everyone. Next day I was back heading, heading back home um, without even my computer even and working from home ever since. Haven't seen them since, 18 months. And um, basically the thing is, I was working for big tech, but outsourced through another company. So this is where the complication comes really, because like when you see in the news that big tech, like they all working remotely, perfectly fine and everything, it is true. Mm. The thing was outsourcing company is the boomer company here, to be honest. And <laughs> the thing was, um, I've have, um, I've been having this plan to move to Estonia for like a year now. And I discussed this with uh, my company in January, I think it was. And I'd say, Hey, like I think around summer, autumn i'll be moving to estonia is there anything that we need to set up to have it all happen correctly okay wait let me ask oh everything's fine then so i moved to estonia and uh, i told them hey i'm moving in two weeks you know i told them a bit a little bit of a lie but you know i just wanted to go on holiday and get everything over with and then deal with it afterwards so i was like hey like uh, i'm moving in two weeks no you can't so well what do you mean i can't so yeah it's like a new company policy because we've been bought by another company absolute most boomer company ever. So now I've, and now I've got three systems, you know, three hierarchies, three <laughs> systems, three bosses at every level. And they basically said, no, you can't go. And I said, well, is it legal purposes? No. Is it tax purposes? No, we could figure that all out. So, well, what is the reason? I said, company policy. And I'm like, that's it. Should I just not go? So yeah, it's just same rule for everyone. There's a million people working for this company. Same rule for everyone. And I don't know, I kind of rage quit. I'll be honest at that moment. I literally, I literally rage quit, you know, cause my friends would like to say like my, if they're listening, they would like me to admit that I rage quit. But then I just stood by my decisions because it's like, it's not exactly what was said. It was how everything was said. And it was just like, we all know, like, you know, I'm cynical. Okay. I already know that I'm just a number in a spreadsheet when working for an organization, but when it's like two on your face of you will do whatever the fuck I want, it's kind of like, no. So when was this company policy applied? So two months ago, and it's like, well, this is like, I don't know, when you're using YouTube or, 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 or you know, the cookie policy in any website, it literally says, look, this website has cookies. If you continue using the website, we assume that you're accepting it and that's it. So it's like, is this my cookie moment where, no, I'm not following through. So I was like, no, I'm resigning. I'm not doing this. I'm moving to Estonia. I don't care. So no, no, you can't move. Let, wait, let's look for an exception. It's like, no, like look for the exception. If you want, I'm, I'm going to be job searching, uh, found a job a month after a week afterwards, actually via Twitter. That's why I'm kind of like in love with Twitter again. Cause I mean, I kind of like applied for like a hundred different jobs in like three days on LinkedIn, zero, zero replies. And I literally wrote one, one tweet saying, Hey, I'm looking for, um, I've resigned. I'm looking for a job in, I don't know, business development, project management, blah, blah, blah. 
if you're a startup or a company, whatever, just DM me. And I got like 20 DMs mm. and very, very good offers, which via LinkedIn, I would be, uh, I wouldn't even make the cut. And this is very, very good offers like startups in like Silicon Valley, um, companies all over the world and everything and like positions that maybe are a bit even if you followed my progression on LinkedIn, maybe would be a bit, um, wouldn't be the moment for me yet because of I lack the experience maybe literally being offered on Twitter. And that's why I'm loving Twitter again. Cause it's kind of like on LinkedIn, it feels like online dating where you're just one more in a different, like a hundred different dudes who've said yes to a little picture of, a, you know, of a whatever. And now she has to go through a hundred different dudes saying, yeah, we're all great. Whereas on person, in person, you just go up to them and say, hey, whatever. And in five minutes, you got the number. You go and meet, have a date, whatever. It literally felt like that. So like on one hand, I'm just another dude. And then on Twitter, it's like I'm having them come to me. And it's not an ego thing. It's more like the pre-screening has already been done. Because the, if you're coming to me, kind of like you already know that, you know, more or less what I write, maybe my personality, if I'm smart or not, if, you know, where I'm good at or not. So so I've just made the job. So uh, I've made the, the job change and I started two weeks and yeah, my company was like, what, you're actually leaving? It's like, yeah, yeah. Like I've already got another job. Like two weeks of, uh, a week has passed since I sent my resignation. You got three weeks left. I like the, it's a, it's a bit of a shame because they're suffering right now to find a replacement, but it's their loss to be honest. Yeah. that That's not it, your it, problem. Yeah. It's just, um, they can cite company policy. Uh, morally, I'm, I don't give a fuck. Like I've been working remotely for 18 months. I don't, I've never met any single client. I haven't met half of my coworkers. Uh, I over deliver in my, I over deliver every single semester I've worked that I've over delivered like minimum a 200%. You know, I just get the work. I just get the job done. You know, I'm very, in this sense, when it comes to business, I, I'm very Twitter minded very simple. It's like I get the job done, you know? I'm professional, get the job done. Fuck you. If you're not going to let me continue to work in home, I'll go and look for something else. And I found a job, at a startup uh, in Madrid, actually. I'm going to be like, uh, okay, I'm going to be working with Leon Castillo, actually, with, with the guy you mentioned before. <laughs> been working for him. Um, I'm going to be scaling his uh, self-mastered and um, going to be working for him. He got the contract signed and everything. Nice. And just yeah. no problems with working from home. Yeah. No problems with having to go to the office because there's no office. No nonsense of company policies. Just uh, speak straight to the dude who's making the decisions. That's it. That's what I want. So did, so did the company you're leaving, did they find any exceptions in the end? Did they ever tell you about that? Or They found a two-week exception so that I can work from Estonia for two weeks. So like I'm currently in Estonia and working for them with this exception. Yeah, it's it's a weird old time, isn't it? It's a time when the the, the problem the problem is now large organisations like that have given people freedom. They want to take it back off them, and yeah. it it ain't gonna happen. Yeah, and that, look, like I'll apart from the point, uh, like I'll start from the point where working from home is not for everyone. Yeah, I thrive working from home. Look, I, I, I'm a dog who likes Twitter, who spends all his day on this computer. I, I live for working from home. You know what I mean? You would, you probably thrive working from home too. It's like, I'm not, the thing is, not everyone's like us. 
I know some of my coworkers and some other people, clients and everything that I've spoken to, they're dying to work back at the office. They really miss it. They can't separate their work, their, uh, their work and life balance. Like, yeah, sure. I don't have any kids, but if you have kids at home and they're locked at home too, it's just way more difficult for, um, for many people too. Their only social interactions with people is at work. So like, I get it. Working from home is not for everyone. And also like not every job can be worked from home either. Like if you have a technical profile, sure. If you need specialized equipment, you can't really, you know, a doctor can't work from home. You know what I mean? So sure. But the thing is once, even though not everyone wants working from home, I can assure you every top talent in the world likes the option to choose between working from home or not just the option. And especially what you just said, it's been a red pill moment or it's been a moment in scale in, in mass where people have had the freedom and they're like, wait a minute, I can work and not commute. I can actually be more productive, work in less hours and be more productive. I can actually don't have to put up with people I don't like in the office. I don't actually have to engage in stupid office politics. I don't have to, you know, all the benefits that's working from home is like, what? So I just finish work, lower the, the computer screen, or at home. You know, so like, or maybe I need to go do something real quick. I just set myself a time blocker and go real quick to, I don't know, do some grocery shopping or whatever, you know, or whatever. I can take the kids to school. I can do, who isn't going to like most, most people are going to prefer it at least top talent at least because you can, you know, you can thrive. And while I get, you know, I also get, I understand a company's point of view too. Like, um, not all of them are ready for working from home. Not all of them have the skills. Not all the leaders have the skills. The systems aren't in place either. You know, maybe more technical, more engineer based kind of things. They can thrive from working from home because they're very used to working with a system that applies to when working from home, but others aren't. So maybe they do want to work back, but it's their problem. You know, you got to self-improve too. This is literally, this is self-improvement, but instead of an individual for the company. So, you know, the usual tweets that came out during the pandemic is like, are you going to adapt to whatever comes, do sport in your own house, read this and that and improve, or are you going to spend all your day on the couch on Netflix? Well, this is the same for, for companies. Are you going to adapt, going to train your leadership and your, and your employees to work in a different way. Are you going to update your systems? Are you going to, you know, or are you just going to wait until everything happens and then all back to the office again? Yeah. It's, it's a weird situation. I understand both as well. Cause we, we've had it too. We, we, there's, there's five of us and there were times when we were all working from home and it was hard at first. Um, and each time I adapted to working from home or adapted to working back in the office, uh, and and everybody el- else was the same, uh, and and we ha- we had to change things to be able to mainly, and and this is a, a wider point for bigger organisations as well. I think is it just comes down to trust, and mm-hmm. for for all, there's inefficiencies everywhere in large organisations, and mm-hmm. the way that a lot of people hide. Uh, and the reason a lot of those inefficiencies are there is because a lot of people are hiding behind job roles or being in meetings or wandering around the office and talking to people and pretending to do work or mm-hmm. or whatever. The thing that working from home quickly shows, there's nowhere to hide. You you either have to do the work or you don't do the work. 
And if there is no work to do, then you are sat at home doing nothing. So a lot of people uh, have kind of been shown shown up by that. Mm -hmm. And it, it tends to be the higher you go up in an organization, the more those people exist and the more they've, they've been found out, basically. And you get to this weird situation where really it's it's the managers and the, the seniors in most of these organizations that want people to go back into the office because they don't trust the workers. But mm-hmm. really the reason they don't trust the workers is because they know what they're doing at home. Exactly. Uh, they're slacking off and they think everybody else is the same. Whereas in truth, if you do have a thing to do, which when you are employed, usually at a lower level in an organization, you have things that you've got to do. It's yeah. actually easier to get them done by yourself at home. But as you raise up, up the levels, it becomes harder. And I understand that. I, I, I tend to do a mixed role now. I work at home sometimes. I'm in the office most of the time, but my office is only a mile away, so it doesn't really matter to me. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy being in the office and, and seeing the other guys. I like that. And then there is times where it's worth me going to see a client, if possible, because I, I, went, I went to see one on Monday uh, mm-hmm. for a potential new job, and I wouldn't have been able to build that rapport with him just just over Zoom. And we ended mm-hmm. up having a two-hour meeting, and we got along really well, and he showed me around the building. So there's things where it works, and there's things where it doesn't. But the wider point that I'm getting at is that it all comes down to trust. And trying to instill trust at scale in a huge organization, that's going to take a really long time for for a lot of organizations to, to set up. And like you said, the systems too, a lot of those systems – you know, they're not there to help people trust others either. I remember at the very beginning of it all, there there was stories about Zoom and Slack and some of the others instilling kind of uh, like monitoring software into their apps to help managers watch people whilst they're mm-hmm. working. It's the complete opposite of, of what needs to happen. It It just, all it needs is for managers to trust their staff, really, which, you know, that's hard to do. Do you want a hot take? Yes, always. <laughs> okay, so I think it's not a fully fleshed out thought, and I'm probably wrong, but it's one of my latest hot takes is, you know how in a similar way the Industrial Revolution like really left many people jobless just because their jobs weren't needed anymore? The best example, for example, where when you used to call by telephone and you would actually have someone connecting the telephones, you know, with like yeah. the things. Or, for example... Um, where I come, where I come from in in Spain, it's a it's a bit of a mining culture because there's some mines there. Same here. And Same in when the when they introduced a new kind of tool equipment, it could do the work of five people. You know, one person with this new tool could do the work of five people. So these people sabotaged the um, the adoption of these tools of this technology for years and years and years because you know they were unionized and everything, and you know so they sabotaged it for years. We're living something similar, I think. And this time it's like the kind of like middle managers which are going to be sabotaging because in a way, um, hierarchies get flattened when working from home because why do I need to go to middle manager on Zoom, Teams, Slack, whatever, when I can go to the person actually making the decisions? Yes. And literally, here's my work. There you go. Why would I need to 
have a middle manager tell me what the person above is telling them to tell me when they can tell me directly. Does doesn't even have to be be me personally. It can be a meeting, one boss and everybody else just working underneath them, and that's it. Or you know, a team and then just another team working underneath. You don't need so many different levels. In my opinion, uh, I don't have any science or any data to you know nothing. This is just purely observation. It kind of flattens out the hierarchy because you just don't need this chain of command, which is really a byproduct of the industrial revolution, really, when you just need one person to make a decision, tell to, to blah, blah, blah. It's like, why? Like, it's just, it's not adaptable. It's not flexible. It's not even quick enough, you know? Obviously, with very more, com- I don't know, I'm thinking of like, with really more complicated projects, of course, you're going to have to need because, you know, it's going to be different parts and everything. But with many what I call business work, like, one of my problems in my company is that I don't need middle managers and that I've gone straight to the decisions makers and I've had arguments with my middle managers because I'm rendering, rendering them useless. And it's a bit like, yeah, but like, I understand, you know, and I want to collaborate are. with you. You are useless. Piss you. Yeah. I don't want to <laughs> piss you off. I understand you. I don't want to piss you off, but it's just the, I need the, I need speed. Yeah. You know, I'm shipping out here, uh, pr- uh, not products, but I'm shipping out work here. I just need speed. I, ju- I just want to get the work done. And um, yeah, I think it yeah. kind of just flattens the hierarchy and just kind of eliminates the need for many positions in the middle. It's, it's one of these memes on Twitter that's very popular and it's actually very true. It's like middle managers are the ones against working from home because then they're, they're just out of jobs basically. Yeah. And yeah. You're, talking, you're talking about, the, you're talking about the, the, bell, the bell. It's not a bell curve, yeah. is it? But the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the graph yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And <laughs> it is. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's it's exposed. Like I said, it's exposed them. And yeah. I I think it's it's right also about the industrial revolution. I think what it's done, and I think crypto is doing this as well. And I, whatever we think about NFTs, I think NFTs is only the beginning for this. Mm-hmm. It's also not only is it kind of red pilled everybody on managers and red-pilled everybody on needing to go to an office and commuting it's kind of red-pilled people on time as well and re and money too yeah and money and suddenly people realize shit i used to spend three hours every day commuting or, yeah. and not only would i spend three hours then i'd get into the office and then i'd be sat there for 30 minutes just chatting shit uh before i know it i've i've, I've wasted five hours and I've, I've done i've done i've done nothing what people have realized i don't need to work eight hours a day because it is a hang-up of the industrial revolution as, as you know as, as you and i know and as a lot of people on twitter already know this kind of thing a lot of people don't know this thing because it's 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 just the thing everybody does and it still is the thing everybody does this eight hour work day this monday to friday eight hour thing it's just what everybody still does so i, I think that's I think that's a big part of it as well. It's it's not just the fact that they get to work from home. It makes everything easier. It's the fact that they've just reevaluated time. They've they've realized that this is really essentially bullshit. The the, mm-hmm. the situation that I am in right now, I don't need to be in this situation. There is no logical reason for the company that I work for to still be doing this, but they're going to still try and do it with me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what we're going to call this next revolution, but yeah, it's it's interesting. 
it's it's going to take time, and um, it's just and obviously not everyone can make a change on I don't know these ideological purposes or this idealist purposes, and you know some people won't want to make the change, but I think talent usually is at the forefront of these things. You know, like the extremes ideas then become more normalized, and we kind of follow talent, and I think. Just speaking, not not that I consider myself talent, but just speaking to people who I think are very talented, you know, and they're you know factually and you know empirically talented. They all have they have similar ideas, they have similar expectations. They're kind of it's kind of um, I don't know if you follow the NBA, but kind of like you know how LeBron James kind of ushered in the era of player empowerment in a sense, mm-hmm. where no, I choose the team. I go to, and before I choose the team, I literally go there and I said, pitch me what you're going to do. And it kind of like got the the power away from the teams and to the individual. It kind of seems, okay, obviously, you know, we're not LeBron James and, you know, LeBron James is only one, but it kind of seems in a, in a, in a similar sense of, at least for the talents, for, for top talents, it's, I mean, it's always been a world where they can do whatever they want, but even more now where they're even more empowered. Like they can literally shop for jobs and for projects at the moment. Like all these crypto companies are hiring all these big, all the companies who are actually self-improved in these last 18 months, they're hiring more than ever because they're reducing costs on one hand because they don't have to go to the office, reducing costs in many, many, many things. And they're like, well, we're upping wages to the people we have and we can actually have more people because we just, you know, they've been as productive as ever. And it kind of feels like that, like more empowerment to the worker in a sense. Maybe I'm too idealist, but it kind of seems where, I don't know, the top 1% of talent kind of thing, at least in Spain and what I can see online and everything, kind of feels that it's going that way where, I don't know, it's just you're saying no, you know, just saying no to bullshit and saying no, look, like I just want more, I don't know, better conditions, I guess. It, it's kind of what I felt when I first started an agency that I touched upon earlier where you you kind of you switch from just working for somebody to building an asset essentially and I don't I don't literally mean an asset but an asset in terms of something that builds and compounds over time and you get to cash in on that in the future mm-hmm. um and and there's and and there's many ways you can cash in on that. Like the example I said, where you've I've got the agency. If I lost my job tomorrow, I could go get another job. Mm-hmm. And like you quit your job, you had another job pretty much straight away lined up. And it and it and it's the, it's the way that you've you've done things and you've built assets that have allowed that situation to happen. I think the NBA analogy is perfect. I I do, I do think that's that's the way it's going. Yes, I think it's. It's probably only for a select portion, um, but for, for now, for now. But saying that, you can get into that select portion by doing some of the things that we talked about earlier by using Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever your choice of thing is by putting your opinions out there by building talent in your own time by building the asset of you. Essentially, that is available to anybody. I'm not anybody's particularly special. I don't think you are, unless you're Spider Man or something. We, we we are just normal people at the end of the day but we realized some weird way that there was value in building these assets somewhere 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's moving moving more that way. Yeah. I think yeah, it's kind of like a one man band. Yeah. You, know, you have to be you have to ship, you have to promote, you have to work, you have to create, you have to just everything, you know, and all of this talent. Well, obviously we're going to have an ego and obviously we're going to have standards and obviously we're going to have abundance. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Going to have to wrap up. I was just about to say, that's a perfect <laughs> perfect place to end. Mm-hmm. You, you're getting uh, knocked on the door saying, come on, we're, we're, <laughs> we're going to go. <laughs> that's... Yes, sir. Uh, pleasure to, to be here finally. Yeah, it's, it's been awesome. And yeah, let's chat again soon. Cheers for that. Okay. Well, okay. See you. Yeah. <laughs>